Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I always forget to say that. What? I'm Allie. <laughs> I'm Ginny. It sounded and like you were emphasizing Buffy in that, though. Well, today I am, because... Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't really pleased. why I did that, but it's fitting, so... Fair enough. Um, today we are talking about blood ties and mm-hmm. happy anniversary, and like, Ginny, if you were like... <sighs> To tell me that you just didn't want to talk about happy anniversary, I'd probably be okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to hit upon a couple of the like particularly misogynistic notes, or maybe yes. that's not quite the right word, but there are some pretty troubling things going on. I agree that I don't think we should dwell on it. In yeah. a week filled with terrible news about terrible allegations about all kinds of terrible men, Ugh. it was not the reprieve that sometimes Buffy offers us. Angel no, uh, was the opposite. I did warn you that I was in kind of a funk today because I've yeah I've been reading too much news and listening to too many depressing podcasts. I like literally yeah. so I listened to the New York Times podcast like the Daily, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just caught up with one that I had missed last week. So I finished listening mm-hmm. to the two part series on how this man lost his wife during Hurricane Harvey because he called nine one one like four or five times and like they <sighs> never showed up to rescue her. And then uh. I was listening to the one today that was about this other woman recounting her high school assault, and I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's great. It's not great. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, I agree. I'm in a funk. It's been a funky week. Yeah. I'm excited to come out on the other end of this. Yeah. I think Uh, next week's going to be a lot better. It's going to be October and I'm going to Halloween it up and take some breaks. Alex has a little bit of time off coming off. So are coming up. So hopefully that like just helps everything settle. (laughs) I was going to say simmer, but that's. Kind of, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, it's not helpful. Like I have this urge to just like spend the entire weekend in my bed with like delivery ice cream or something, and like (laughs) I have like a beach vacation coming up next month. I'm like, this is not the way to make sure my swimsuit still fits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, anyway. Oh, you hear? I hear sirens. Sorry. It's only fitting. It's fine. Okay, well, you know what I did forget, though, or I didn't forget, but I am excited to talk about blood ties, so... I am. I, well, we'll get into it. I mean, I, it's sad also, yeah. but it, I liked it, so... Yeah. It is a sad episode. We're sad, so maybe that's, We're like, sad, yeah. <laughs> just great timing. Um, I don't know. Sorry, guys, if you just want to, like... Turn this off now because of the depression. No, it's, no, no. Blood ties. Yeah. I I felt good watching. I, I had some like good little tears. I had some good. Yeah, that felt a little more cathartic or something. I mean, um, we'll talk about it. I feel like it could have been more tear inducing for me, but well, that's I fine. I, is that, okay. Yeah. I, then anyway. I'm even more excited to talk about it then because if I have to convince you the merits of this episode, I think I can do it. You don't have to convince me the merits of the episode. You have to convince me of the merits of the acting. Oh, okay. I liked most of it. Okay. I feel. Are we gonna fight about Dawn? <laughs> we are definitely gonna fight about Dawn. I uh, found myself uh, wishing Glory just killed her, but that's all nope, right. Nope. I'm <laughs> so pro Dawn in this episode. I feel like she made her big comeback, so we should definitely get into it. <laughs> okay. So, if it's not clear, this was an episode that was centered very strongly around Dawn, which is mm-hmm. ironic considering this is another Buffy birthday episode. Right. Um, but continuing the grand tradition of Buffy of birthdays, terrible, birthdays. terrible <laughs> things happen. 
So Dawn, in the last few episodes, we know has been suspicious that people are, are not telling her things, that she's the topic of conversation, as is probably typical of like a young teenage girl, but also she's not wrong. Like everybody is mm-hmm. kind of keeping things from her. So everybody is like in the wake of the council. They know more about Glory. They're trying to figure out you know, how to defeat her, what's going on. They decide they're going to take a break for Buffy's birthday. But Buffy decides that the time has come to let her friends in on the secret about Dawn being the key because now that they know all this stuff about Glory, everybody's like, well, shouldn't we be trying to find the key? And Buffy and Giles have to admit that they not only know where it is, but it is in Buffy's possession quite literally, <laughs> as her sibling. Well, and uh, siblings aren't owned by other siblings, Ellie. Well, like, sorry, in her, <laughs> in her possession in that it's, like, in her house, yes. in her care, like, yes. you know. Um, Buffy has certainly, at least in this episode, comes across a bit of, like, a co-parent with Joyce, so you could mm-hmm. argue, I think. For sure. Um, she's certainly taking responsibility for it. So, yes, um, responsible for it, I accept. Yeah, everybody's a little bit wigged out, but then, you know, Buffy's friends can never really manage to, like, not be weird. So Dawn definitely picks up that something's going on, and she sneaks into the magic shop with the aid of Spike Uh and reads Giles' watcher journals, which is dumb of Giles anyway to write this in there. We'll talk about that. But Giles has written all about how Dawn is the key. So she starts putting pieces together, like, crazy or mentally... I guess what they say, people who are outside of reality, so like all the crazy people she's been encountering, like they can determine that she's the key, or necromanced animals like snakes Mm -hmm. can determine that she's the key. So she's putting all this together and then reads the the line that Dawn is the key. So um, she's really upset. She goes back to the house and like cuts herself just because she's spiraling out of control like am I Mm -hmm. real is this real blood you're not my real family like I'm only six months old what does this mean and so she quite rightly like loses her shit excuse me yeah but like (laughs) she there's no other way to like react really um so she sets a small trash can fire in her room and flees and mm-hmm. Buffy and everybody have to go out and find her because this is Sunnydale and bad things are out there and not just glory. So right. everybody goes their various ways to track her down. Dawn flees to the hospital because she goes to the psych ward and mm-hmm. all the patients there start freaking out. But one of the patients is a knight of Byzantium who has in the background been captured and tortured by glory. And then eventually she just sucks all his... Uh, brain energy out Mm -hmm. and so he recognizes her for what she is and calls her the key she's trying to get information he basically is no help and so she runs into ben in the hospital and -hmm. then in the course of him trying to cheer her up she just tells him everything and tells him that she's the key ben knows what this means he freaks out because somehow glory is going to figure this out she always seems to figure it out is what he says and Mm -hmm. we see ben quite literally morph into glory Mm-hmm. So that's a reveal. Yeah, and I forgot it was in this episode. Oops, yeah. sorry. Keep going. Um, and then so Glory doesn't remember their conversation, but she's like, why has Ben talking to the Slayer's little sister? What's going on? So then she decides that she's going to pump Dawn for information about where the key is. 
So Dawn decides in turn that she's going to find out from Glory what the key is, because if anybody should know, it should be Glory. So Glory's happy to oblige her and tells her a little bit about the history of the key and what it is. But then, of course, she gets impatient and decides she'll just kill Dawn because Dawn obviously doesn't know where it is, or at least Glory thinks so. Mm -hmm. Buffy and friends arrive. There's a big... uh, showdown in the lab they fight willow teleports glory to the sky and gets her away for the time being everybody gets patched up buffy tells don you know this all might be true but i love you you're my sister you're a member of our family and yeah that's that's that that's it yep i don't know where i want to jump in well, but I, guess, I want to chastise Giles because... Yeah, well, okay. And everybody, honestly, again, they're talking about this in the house, which they've done more than once. Yeah. And then, yeah, him leaving his notes unlocked. All of it was stupid. But also this idea that above all, like, above everything, they've got to keep Don's identity secret. That's true. Why did and he write Giles it down at all? writes it down. Like, <laughs> who's to stop Glory's yeah. minions from sacking the magic shop if they think the Slayer knows point. something and that's where she hangs out and, like, they find Giles' diaries? Like, it seems like something you could write down after the fact, like, all of this right, is right, happening. Right, yeah. And so it's not even stupid that Don is able to find it. It's also stupid for the fact that if Don could find it, why couldn't Glory find it? Like, yeah. it just seems really careless that's true. Yeah. So uh, definitely a plot contrivance, as is, again, that they repeatedly have these conversations in the dining room, which doesn't have a door when Don lives in that house. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I guess I I feel like I didn't say... Well, I feel like I didn't say something that I thought about later in the last episode, but I guess in general, I am... I, I don't agree with everything that Buffy says, especially towards the beginning of this episode, Um when she's talking to the Scoobies and explaining to them basically why she kept, uh, sorry, I'm doing a very bad job of explaining this. It's kind of late at night and I'm a little out of it. <laughs> um, when Buffy tells the Scoobies, they're specifically Willow and um, Xander are, are kind of hurt that she didn't bring them into this secret earlier, especially because, you know, because they're her close allies, but also because they've been kind of working on all this stuff together. And she admits fault to them. And I I guess I just thought it was interesting because I don't actually think that she did anything wrong in this situation, but I did appreciate that along with some of the other things in recent episodes, Riley, obviously notwithstanding, Buffy really has matured in other, other ways. I guess I was just, it was just kind of nice to see that like, oh, that's right. She is, this is definitely the the season where she grows up and not to say that she's never going to have an outburst or do anything stupid again, but I just do feel like they're making very clear points to show us like she's more mature now that instead of reacting to them and saying, well, I couldn't tell you and fighting with them about it. She kind of just accepts the premise, apologizes and move on, moves on. Right. We don't have a rehash of like the big group meltdown that happened at the end of last season. It's right. Like Buffy right. saying like recognizing that maybe she's not wrong, but they are upset and she's apologizing for the way she handled the situation, quite rightly understanding yeah. their point of view. And I think you're right. I right. think that shows maturity on her part. Yeah. I just appreciated that little moment. And I kept definitely, I found myself kind of defending her and being like, well, of course she couldn't have told you. Do you not understand how the more people know that that makes it so much more dangerous, but at the same time, yeah. Anyway, so I appreciated that. And I wish I could remember what it was that had happened last week, but there were some other things there where I was just like, oh yeah, they really are. Obviously I know more to come as well, kind of in this vein, but, um, but speaking of Buffy is growing up, not telling people, I think that's a great, point because her friends are barely capable of containing this information right like they (laughs) 
act ridiculous around Dawn. Anya's That's like, true. you it's make true. a very pretty little girl, like, right. which is funny, but also not really the thing you want to say to someone and pretend everything's all normal. But I think it's an interesting contrast to then when Dawn finds out and they tell her that they were going to tell her when she's older. And right. Dawn is rightly upset that they kept something about That's her. That's true like this from her but also what does she do is immediately go and tell people about this like Dawn doesn't quite (laughs) grasp this idea that like she might be really upset but like why would she tell anyone about this like it's insanely stupid like why would she just blab everything to Ben like one why would she assume he would understand what she's talking about which is probably why she she was counting on him I think she was counting on him not understanding yeah but also to clear that part of that I don't think yeah that they don't know who's involved with Glory and, like, all this stuff. Right. It's just, like, why would you say anything about it out loud? It's true. And I think I, mean, th- I think that is a, an interesting contrast to her friends where, like, Buffy is hesitant to tell anyone, but, like, at least in Dawn's case, I think it proves out the point that, like, there's a very clear reason to keep this from her. It's true, but I guess the, you know, the kind of unanswerable question, though, is that it was there any way at all that they could have handled this that would have made it easier for Dawn if they had told her her and Joyce together and explained that we don't care what it means and blah, blah, blah. Maybe she wouldn't have run away and kind of had this like word vomit. You know what I mean? Like no, there absolutely. is also an, definitely yeah. an aspect of her acting out is very understandable because this huge thing she has to hear, you know, that's kind of the worst way to find out about it. Like that feeling of like, oh, everybody's talking about me. And then they really are. And then also the thing about you is that you're not real. Like, I, I mean, I can't, of course she freaks out at that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I get it. And I do think that Buffy had good reason to want to keep it from her, but I do wonder if her reaction would have been better if they had told her directly. I mean, I'm sure it still would have been bad, but it might not have been so dramatic. Like the way they choose to show Dawn on this show is like kind of a, explosively whiny brat like I don't know that I buy that she would have reacted well any really maybe but I, I guess I guess this is so I guess this is the point of disagreement more or less is that I don't really think anything that Don did in this episode was unreasonable given the circumstances like well honestly putting yourself in the position of like finding out that you don't even exist is I mean like I can't even begin to understand what that would make you feel like and add on top of that that they frustratingly put you into the body of a 14 year old girl who has hormones raging and is already confused and you know anxious about the world like and all of that is I 100% mean, obviously she's being true stupid. though yeah. she is the most dramatic that she could possibly be about this which is fair I mean, I was like, like I, it's not I was an dramatic unreasonable about reaction yeah. oh my god she's like cutting herself she's but throwing I things think, around her room she's starting a fire she's yes she is being dramatic but like some of it is warranted for sure i don't know about starting fires in your house but like yeah yeah well it's interesting too though that you bring up the cutting thing because i really always i really think that scene is well played because i like the way i think it's clear that like yes obviously that has those actions have other connotations and they're definitely playing on that but the way that what her words are about like am i even real like she's not doing it i think that's out of all these things that she's doing that's the one that she's not doing to to be dramatic i think she genuinely like doesn't know what she's made out of like if if she's just because they put her there is she a robot inside i mean she could literally be anything you know what i mean like that's actually a i think kind of a like I mean, she does it in this kind of, like, performative way where she, like, does it in the living room in front of everyone. No, she did it before and then walked in. Yeah, but, like, she... I guess what I'm saying is, like, I agree with you that it is a really, like, 
I do think the scene is well done in that it's completely clear why Dawn is doing this, like what she's saying. I think the dramatic part is like bleeding and wandering into the living room and being like, this but I is guess my, then I, I just, yeah. I think you're not accepting the like amount of shock that she must be in though, because I don't think she's being at all well, logical and I don't think so she has to be. So I, 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 I am I, I don't accepting think it, but this is what I was talking about with the acting is that I think I would buy Dawn's anguish more and like her pain and like mm-hmm. this entire situation if she didn't say everything in a monotone. Like I just had, I think Michelle Trachtenberg I mean, was she taking only me does out that. of this scene mm. every time. And and you're right. Like I, I sound ridiculously callous about every, this, but like yeah. I was just like, <laughs> it's not real because she could, you know, I don't know. But I, I guess I feel like she only really delivered that one line kind of monotone. Everything else was pretty over the top and like high pitched and squealy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I guess that's why that one feels more grounded to me is because in this amidst of her throwing a pretty obviously like over the top, but like otherwise pretty typical teenage fit, like her screaming at them to get out of the room. Like that's like I've seen that on literally every teenage drama. You know what I mean? Like that was nothing. The part where she stops and isn't freaking out is is more disturbing. And again, I think kind of underscores that as the that's like, I don't know. I really like that scene. Every time it makes me really feel for Dawn. And this whole episode really, obviously, I am a big Dawn defender. And this is one of the big, this episode went a long way for me in that regard. I just really, she's just really been dealt a bad hand and there's no good way out of it. I am generally a Dawn defender. Like I think overall <laughs> she's a fine character on the show. There were moments in this episode where I was, like I said, I was really like, come on, Glory, just take her out, please. Like, just make it stop. Hmm. Well, Which makes me sound terrible, but it's 100% because of the (laughs) acting choices and not at all because of the way they've written her and, like, all of that. It's funny, though, because I was really mad at Buffy in this episode. So, like, if I guess she wasn't taking me out of the episode in the way that you're kind of saying um, the acting choices did, but she was the one who I feel like really did come across as callous. And I get that part of it is because they want her to sort of have, they like that. I don't know. I guess I felt like that was a little bit more serving to the plot instead of true to Buffy that like she really, a lot of times in this episode was saying things in this very cut and dry way. And she was not sympathetic to Dawn at all until much too late in the episode. And I guess that part really bugged me because I thought she was I, though. See, that's where I thought she was. Like she was like, like Joyce was like, <laughs> let's run upstairs. Let's do all this. And Buffy's like, Stopping and thinking about it from Dawn's perspective. Like, everything has come crashing down around her. This is probably what she thinks. So we have to let her, like, work through this a little bit. And then we go help her. But she was, like, laying out. And you're right. It was very cut and dry. But she was trying to be very cut and dry about, like, this is what just happened. mm, I think you're right. But she was also using that as, like, a... She was trying to, like, act logically in a way that would get the upper hand on an emotional situation. And I just, like, don't buy that. I I don't, it's not that I don't buy that she would try it, but, like, there was kind of, there there was some kind of line in here where they were like, you have to stop acting like the Slayer and treat her like your sister. And even in those moments where she was, yes, maybe she was saying the right things to Joyce, but she was saying it for the wrong reasons. And I just, I was very annoyed that, like, I, I guess because a couple of episodes ago, I had made this big case in point about how when Joyce finds out that Dawn is her daughter, they're never going to broach the subject again. And they kind of did in ways that were hurtful <laughs> in this episode. And like, it was even that was like, oh, I know there was that one line that was like, it was a misdirect because Buffy was really saying that must be what she was thinking. But like the, the writing of that, do you know, do you know which line I'm talking about? I don't remember exactly yeah. what she said, but something about yeah. where she said like, she's not one of us and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, obviously they wrote that in there so that 
there would be a misunderstanding, but it was all like the way she said it. Like I believed her when she said it and I knew what was coming and it was just very like, I don't well, know. Yeah, because I guess Buffy to was be too callous Don's for me. point of view. Like, but when you're talking about it, if you were talking with sympathy, I don't think, I, I don't think Buffy was being sympathetic at all until the end of this episode. And see, I, was I disagree. I think she was. And I think it's a hundred percent supposed to be Don's misunderstanding that we're supposed to be watching from that mm-hmm. standpoint. I heard and Buffy like, deliver that line. And then I was like, I am so Yeah, no, I think you. you're right. The delivery was strange, but I think it was a hundred percent in service of the misdirect. So, like, I don't right, think but that I'm it was supposed <laughs> to be, like, legitimately what Buffy was saying or how she was saying it. But then I guess it's just funny because the things that took, the, you know, the things that were grading to me are, like, the things that you really liked. <laughs> the things that were grading to you are the ones that I really liked. Like, that was a choice that I didn't like. I feel- I think you're not wrong. Like, I think Buffy does have a trouble in this episode of separating sister from Slayer because... And I don't think it's surprising because Dawn is a tricky issue where... It is. Of course, she's she's constantly worried about what Dawn is up to. She's worried about Dawn getting herself in trouble. And that only intensifies after she finds out that Dawn is the key. But, like, Buffy is in full-blown panic, and maybe the best way to calm that about herself Mm -hmm. is to, like, take on Slayer mode and be like, okay, this is what we have to do. Because also, at the end of the day... It is her sister out there in danger, but it's also the key out there at the mercy of glory. So it's inseparable. Like they aren't like that. You can't separate them because Dawn is both. That's fair. I guess here's another person who was a little bit disappointing (laughs) in this episode. Uh, Joyce was a little bit disappointing because I, I feel again, there was like, it's funny that like, why am I picking this all apart? I really liked this episode and all these things that I'm saying, I'm saying with love. And I guess at the end of the day, as much as I'm disappointed in people and the way that they reacted, part of what I did still like about this episode is that, again, that that does kind of mirror when something really traumatic happens. It's like people don't know what to do. So I guess I was, I was disappointed in Joyce because she has become a, like, perfect epitome of a mother to me. But, like, to be fair, she's still human and still fallible. But so it was like there was parts of me where I was like, why didn't she tell Don or why didn't she comfort Don more earnestly or more quickly? There was definitely a part where I was like, Joyce, you need to not be consulting your daughter, Buffy, and you need to just be doing following your own instincts. You know what I mean? It's like, I, but again, to your point, it's all very muddy. So everyone's giving it their best and I forgive them all. <laughs> but also I think Joyce is an interesting case because if you remember, this is now her second daughter that she's found out. Right. Is some yeah. mystical predestined like person <sighs> and has no control over that. And so it's almost like the other extreme from the way she reacted when she found out Buffy was the slayer. Right, and right. like, maybe she's trying too hard to be calm and right, accepting right, right. and, you know, and it's coming across as a little bit, um, standoffish or unsupportive or something because mm-hmm. like the alternate option is like kicking your daughter out of the house. So yeah. I think like, if you remember it in that context, I understand her reaction. Hesitation. A lot better. Yeah. Poor <sighs> Joyce, Sigh. man. Poor everyone. Yeah. What a rough episode. Yeah. Um, okay, so, but not everything was terrible in this episode. No, a lot of it was great. Uh, oh, and sorry, as much as, as maybe we maybe you don't agree with this, I did think that, I mean, it wasn't smart for Dawn to run away because she's incredibly endangered and she's a very covetable item as, in addition to being a, a not strong enough teenager. I appreciate that she went to the psych ward and I appreciate her trying to milk Glory for as much information as she can get. I think those were pretty, like, decent... I thought that scene I was just being smart because yeah. <laughs> Dawn is like, I'm now in mortal danger, but I'm going to use this to my advantage because, hey, but she's literally Glory the only person. The key? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's literally the only, this is the only way they can get some of that information. So I was like, bravo to her for kind of, as much as she's panicking and being very 
irresponsible and a bit silly. She's also like, in other ways, she is keeping her cool to get what she wants right now, which is information about herself. You know, yeah. she knows where to go. She knows to go to the psych ward. She finds that Byzantium guy. She find or when she is caught by Glory, she uses that. So, at least good on her for those things. Yeah, she I mean, not only is this herself, what gives but, us the wonderful moment where Glory says the key really brought out the blue in her eyes, but <laughs> which is my favorite, I think. But also, this is a really good showcase of how. Dawn has picked up some tricks from Buffy. Yeah, and, exactly. Like sneaking out of the house. Yeah, like, <laughs> number one. <laughs> also, but like making all like being very creative in these situations, like mm-hmm. talking to Glory, actually getting her interested in the subject so that she isn't so much a threat in the moment, and that might not be her intention, but it works. But also sure. like the whole interaction she has with Spike, where she's oh, going to go steal things, which is also foreshadowing, which I love. Yeah, but. That she's going to go break into the magic box and take what she thinks that she's owed. And I just love the parallel of, like, her sneaking out of the house. I mm-hmm. mean, how many times have we seen Buffy do that? Like, I did have that thought, yeah. it's She learned from Buffy, and I love it. And, you know, she's doing something at... She's maybe a year younger than Buffy was when she had to start sneaking mm-hmm. out of the house to go slay vampires. And um, yeah. also, I just love that interaction. I think this is the beginning of what we see as the... Um, friendship and partnership of Dawn and Spike. Uh, yes, and we should um, talk about that. Yes, and I love that whole scene of them in the magic box. And also, I, you know, yeah. this also segues into a great episode for Spike of, like, turning into I, kind of a big brother figure for Dawn. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's like, it's funny that I'm like now, it's just been so, it hasn't been so long since I've watched Buffy, but this is the first time that I've ever really thought about every single episode and all of my choices as a fan, you know? And in some ways it's kind of upsetting because it's like, I don't like having to change my mind about things because we're now putting, we're putting ourselves, you and I doing this podcast are putting ourselves in this position where we have to examine everything very closely. <laughs> um, what I'm saying is that I'm nervous about S- Spike issues down the road. Suffice yeah. it to say, I remember why I like him so much is because they do great things with him in this season, in my opinion. And it's so fun. Like that is just such a classic um, kind of odd couple pairing, but that like has all these fun, unique twists on it. And I really appreciate that it puts him in this big brother role because we haven't, he's only really, we've only seen him interact with, you know, women that he's interested in and enemies. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of fun. I mean, and he's that way with Joyce a little bit too. We saw in the last episode, but like, I really, I really love the Don and Spike friendship. And as much as I understand that, like, on the one hand, he was being a little bit irresponsible, not just bringing her right back there. But I, I think his point is well made that, like, she's going to get into trouble whether you want her to or not. And at least I'm there to hopefully help if it gets too bad. No, I think as, as, you're absolutely right. And it, that great scene with Buffy where, yeah, where she, he's uh, telling her that... And he's not wrong that yeah. she does this game of like coming to him for help when she needs it and then using him as a punching bag yeah. <laughs> when she needs something to beat up. Like like he called it a round of kick the spike. Like uh-huh. I love that scene. And also like that's where Buffy's recognizing that Spike did actually help Dawn and was right. actually would have been protection for her on, yeah. you know, a trip through Sunnydale at night all the way to the magic box and mm-hmm. you know because as we've learned like learn like the town like the town like the town town is, isn't really the best place even right. without demons and um no i think it's great and i also love that interaction of like dawn kind of posturing yeah. to spike like i'm gonna go commit crime and you can't stop me but also being completely unafraid yeah, yeah. of spike and like kind of yeah. mocking him for his inability to like kill her but also recognizing that he is a good person to have along yeah. in the moment as well i mean it's all 
I think this is a great episode for like evolution of character uh, pairings uh, yeah. and as you said like we saw some pairings that we don't usually see um so the other, okay, I, there's more things that I want to say about that spike scene when Buffy confronts him. First of all, okay. it was just a great scene when she pulls the coffin lid out from under him. <laughs> I just thought that was well framed, well shot, well done. Also, we got to see confirmation that he is in fact painting his nails and it's not dirt yes. or caked on or anything. This is a, a very explicit uh, or express, um, you know, uh, uh, oh God, style that trying. he is trying to cultivate. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated that. And then again, Oh, all of Spike's choices it's true. are very They're really deliberate. Um, but the, the just this is the second time in the episode, though, that like as much as Buffy does kind of go in there like blazing and you know very angry at him, but he, after he calls her out, she also once again does kind of come to terms with it. Not to say that like should she have figured that out in the first place, I guess, but like uh, this is another time that she sort of accepts that blame when he's like, "You're not mad at me. Here's all the things that you're doing," and she's like, "You're right." <laughs> You know, I don't know. I just, she's just growing up a lot in this episode. And also I think it's a, another example. I mean, we talk about this a lot. Is like Spike is a romantic mm-hmm. at heart. and But also part of the way that manifests is like, he's also very pragmatic. And so when you combine those two things, like, I think even if he had the ability to bite people, mm-hmm. like, part of the way he's neutered now is because he can't bite people. And in the course of not being able to bite people, he's sort of... Found, formed unlikely bonds. <laughs> Right, because he's gotten to know them in a way that he wouldn't if he were trying to kill them. And, yeah, because he's got this romantic nature, like, he's formed bonds with these people. But also, like, Joyce and Dawn would never be a threat to him in Mm -hmm. any way. Like, they would be a way for him to threaten Mm -hmm. Buffy, maybe. But take that out of the equation and, like, he has no reason not to help them. Like, other than Buffy asking. But, like, I think he has a little bit of a soft spot for Joyce. I mean, he definitely does, yeah. you know, in the last episode, he just sat with them in his crypt for a few hours and watched Passions. So, like, let's not forget about that, you know? Well, and not to to spoil something that he's going to say down the road, but I think another big difference, and probably one of the reasons why he feels a soft spot to Buffy and, I'm sorry, to Joyce and Dawn, is because uh, even though they do know what he is, they're slightly more outside of the Scooby gang. And so they don't treat him like he's a monster. You know, they're kind of the only people that treat him somewhat normally. You know what I mean? Like Joyce literally just talked to him about TV and Don, she is posturing in him with him, but like, that's pretty much just the way you tease a brother, you know, like it kind of has nothing to do with, with him being a vampire. I I mean, it doesn't have nothing to do with it, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, going back even to like Joyce and Spike interacting in the third season when he comes back (laughs) and you know, he's complaining about Drusilla, like, she just talks to him yeah, about that. It's yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, and that's when he could still bite her. Yeah. And it's like, he's never had any reason to yeah. view Joyce as a threat. And in fact, seems still genuinely like yeah. her as a person. And I think so Dawn too. It's yeah. it just a great continuation. Yeah. Of that. I guess I'm just trying to say, I think there is a little bit, first of all, it just really muddies all of everything we thought we knew about vampires. <laughs> and let's not waste. Well, as with <laughs> yeah. humans, there are probably exceptions to every stereotype. Let's not waste our time debating all of the rules of vampirism and Buffy that have been broken a thousand times over. But, um, I do think that there's a little bit more going on there than he's just trying to impress Buffy. I, and which is, I guess all the things that we just kind of stated is like, I'm, I'm sure that obviously that's part of it, but there's more to it than that too. And I, I like it would watch it every day. I loved it. Speaking of continuations of things though, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of, it doesn't really play very well. I don't think, but I, 
in some ways appreciate Xander pointing out that a mystical being has a crush on him. Like, just kind of continuing this idea that, like, demonic and mystical creatures (laughs) weirdly have a thing for Xander. Yeah, it's true. Um, Given Dawn's age, though, let's not dwell on that. Well, I do um, think that he, I mean... More so future canon, let's not dwell on it, but I think I think yeah. as an older, I don't know, as a friend of a, a younger sibling, I think it's fine for him to just say, it's funny she has a crush on me. Like, I don't think he's at all implying yeah. anything inappropriate. And, like, you do get no. crushes on your older brother or your older sister's friends. Like, that is just a thing that happens in the world. And it obviously doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. So I, I don't think that... Yeah, but I also he, liked the continuity yeah. of that. Yeah, that's true. I really liked... Um, the kind of culmination, not culmination, but I really enjoyed the fight when they finally did show up and caught Glory there. Because this is like, I don't know, it was just really satisfying to see that, like, obviously they still can't beat her. Especially knowing what they know now, they realize that, like, Buffy can't just strength her way out of this. It doesn't matter how hard she punches her. But they were so much better prepared that it was just, like, genuinely impressive. I was like, oh, you guys haven't just been sitting around whining at each other. You've genuinely been coming up with plans and strategies. So, like, they had a whole thing down, you know? It was like, distract her this way, distract her that way, and then it gives you time to cast this elaborate spell. Like, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was great. also knowing what they know, like, Spike maybe doesn't know about her right. being a god, but he still throws himself into the fight That's and gets true. knocked out cold. But then also Xander knowing that she's a god and he's still willing to go beat yeah. her with a crowbar. Yeah. Like, I love <laughs> that. And had a but crowbar. Also, <laughs> Yeah, it's in service of a distraction right. because obviously Willow and Tara have been coming up with some sort of like emergency mm-hmm. escape plan, which injures Willow pretty yeah, badly. Yeah, pretty seriously. But is also incredibly cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Like, I was like, at first I was like, oh no, is this when Tara gets like, right. you know, caught by glory? But then I was like, oh no, this is awesome. I forgot about yeah. this. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, okay, so then the other thing that we haven't talked about yet really much, at least, is the Ben Glory reveal, which I totally forgot happened in this episode. I was, I said something kind of spoilery to Alex towards the beginning of this episode, and I was like, oh, crap, I didn't mean to tell you that. And then I was like, oh, never was fine, it was in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and also, so Dawn is visually confronted mm -hmm. with Ben turning into Mm -hmm. Glory, and then immediately forgets about it. Which, again, it was funny, sorry. Alex didn't have a lot of insight on this episode, uh, but that sounds mean, but we were talking, he was like telling me like, oh, I need to say more because you don't talk about me enough on the show anymore. Um, So I wasn't trying to call him out, but making a reference. Anyway, uh, he was like, seemed kind of annoyed at that like gimmick that, oh, like, oh, so convenient. Dawn didn't remember. And I was like, you just wait. It's going to pay. It's worth it. It's fine. I'm fine with it. (laughs) It is convenient, but it's fine. (laughs) But it's also interesting because it's, it's convenient, but it's also the only way to keep this going where Dawn can't immediately go run to Buffy and say, oh, my God, Ben turned into glory right, right. because I think that was his see, complaint is that, like, oh, this is just a way to keep this going on longer, even though we know it. But but it is, but it would be too easy to end it otherwise. And um, also, it's an interesting conundrum because, like, we see Ben turn into glory, but we still don't know what that means because the way the way Ben and Glory talk about it, it's obvious that. They don't share memories. They don't share a psychic connection, really. Like, there are ways that they're connected, it seems, based on what they say. But, like, Mm -hmm. they're not able to physically hurt each other because they don't exist at the same time. And, um, like, we're slowly learning, but we don't know everything about what this is. 
Um, we do think, I mean, I think it's interesting to connect the dots of that with Giles talking about Glory's weakness on this hmm. dimension, mm-hmm. right? Of like being weakened by a mortal form or, mm-hmm. you know, be just being living here. So if you think if we put those two things together, like, I mean, I'm doing it because I know, right. but like you could <laughs> put them together because if you think about it, they could be interrelated. But um, I mean, but you're right that like there's still so much that we don't know. I mean, why yeah. do they share a body? Is that, I mean, it really could still play out in a lot of different ways. How has Ben gone his entire life connected to glory? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. But also I think what's funny is like, because there's like this inevitable like tug of war between their existences. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know, we don't know the rules of like how much time they get in yeah. each body, but like we do see that it's enough where Glory's keeping a dress in, in Ben's locker, or in, or maybe if it's not Ben's locker, it's a locker. I, I um, imagine Ben must just bring that because, well, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we'll see. It might be there because he found himself. Right. Wearing That's it. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of little gripes, but all in all, yeah. I really like this episode. I really like the final scene between Buffy and Dawn, I, you know, I don't know. I think sister bonds are sweet and I am (laughs) like happy that they finally get to a better place. Uh, you know, obviously this isn't the sort of thing that's just going to like disappear for Dawn now for the rest of her life. But I appreciate the, that Buffy ultimately does find kind of the right words to say to Dawn to express what she's been sort of struggling to express the whole rest of the episode. Even if it's gross to, touch blood (laughs) you're right I mean we do get a hint of like what is going to matter a Mm -hmm. lot through the rest of the season is this idea that like Don may have been sent to Buffy to keep safe as the key but they did a really good job yeah it kind of doesn't matter yeah so truly Buffy's sister like Mm -hmm. all the key stuff is important but it's secondary to the fact that she's her sister and that Buffy's wholeheartedly buying into what the monks gave her yeah, and isn't going to walk away because she knows it's not real. It's because it, it feels yeah. real and she's willing to just embrace what feels. I mean, and her. that's sort of a philosophical question anyway. Like what is real? If it feels that way and everybody believes it, then it is real. It kind of doesn't matter. Absolutely. Um, but I also and I think we should take that as, as the way it is. Like that's exactly. the idea is like she is. Yeah. And I think, um, shoot, mm, I forget what I was going to say. Something about being real. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, call okay. on someone else. Well, anyway, I did want to talk a little bit. Just I, we probably want to wrap up the mm-hmm. Buffy, but I had one thought that because we talked last week about the big reveal of Glory's a god mm-hmm. and what does that mean and is it kind of a cheat to say that because is she just a powerful demon mm-hmm. or do you become a god because people believe you're a god? That's a good so, point. but I yeah. loved this in light of that conversation, I really loved the battle, the little skirmish that happened between the Knights of Byzantium and Glory's mm-hmm. minions. Because if you think about it, it's like a really small scale religious yeah, war yeah. where the Knights of Byzantium are carrying out this crusade against the beast in the name of their god, which mm-hmm. would just be God. And then these minions are carrying out, you know, this counter battle in the name of their god, Glory. Mm-hmm. And the one of the gods is like or I'm sorry, one of the knights is like, you should pray to your God to save you. And she, in fact, steps in and does that. And I just love this idea of like, I don't know, for me, it really put it more in perspective of like, yeah, Glory is maybe just a super strong demon, but to these people, 
And in this context, she truly is a god. And right. the way they think of her and the way they're acting in her name is exactly the same as people have acted right. for centuries in the name of religion. And I thought that was a really smart way to, scene. yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. And if anything, that does kind of bring the, not necessarily bring the story more back down to earth, but I do think it's totally possible to go the rest of the season, understanding that she is a very powerful demon from a different dimension who has somehow gotten the status of God on our world and what that means. But that doesn't necessarily mean something different to Buffy. And her friends. Right, but we also don't even know that it's necessarily in our world. Like, we don't know where those little demon guys are from. That's true. But uh, uh, but I think it's safe. She does have that status on Earth because of the Knights of Byzantium, who are human. True. Yes, I suppose that's true. Yes. But regardless, I, I do think um, it uh, oddly... But as silly as I find the Knights, I think that that's, that's true. a true. They oddly way tone to it down or make it more realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, well, let's do what we must. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I just, so, I, you know, um, I had high hopes for this episode of Angel because I saw Lauren in the screenshot. I was like, great, a Lauren-centric episode. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> That's the thought I had last week. But anyway, um, so this week we watched Happy Anniversary. The gang, you know, um, Wesley, Cordelia, and Gunn are still on their own. They're continuing to set up their own separate practice of angel investigations. They now have the office space. It's really dingy. They like their phone doesn't work. Their lights aren't on. It's not going very well. Um, and we'll come back to them. But the bulk of they're kind of the B storyline this week. I wish we could stay with I, them. as do I. I had that note. <laughs> their episode <laughs> was way more interesting. So frustratingly, Angel and them are still apart. Yet Angel is the focus of this episode. Lauren finds him at the hotel. Lauren, who still doesn't have a name, but I'm just going to call him Lauren. I was just going to ask, have we heard his name We haven't, and if ever there was an episode to give him a name, it'd be this one, but whatever. I know. Fine. Maybe. I don't know why they thought... like, hey, dude, what's your name? Yeah, I don't know why they thought this is such a a clever, you know, idea that he doesn't have a name and he's just the mysterious host of the karaoke bar is so silly. So, Lauren, where his name is Lauren. because Angel is too selfish to ask. Exactly. Actually, I feel like that literally was a plot point in season one at some point where someone was like, you didn't ask me my name. Maybe not. Anyway, so Lauren finds Angel and he tells him he heard this guy singing at, he's a really ordinary guy singing at his karaoke bar and Lauren realized that he, the world was going to end based off of his song because Lauren has this sort of, you know, psychic empathic demon powers where when people sing karaoke songs, he can see into their heart and soul, etc. So he eventually convinces Angel to help him, you know, track down this guy and try and stop him. And it turns out that this mystery guy is some sort of scientist genius. He's the epitome of a scientist genius on TV, I would say. Um, He's working on a quote-unquote time paradox, which is to say freezing time. Um, They try to make it sound more fancy and interesting than that, but that's what it is. Um, It turns out that he has this very, you know, he has this pretty girlfriend, and they're about to have their one-year anniversary Uh, meanwhile, he's stuck on some sort of, you know, impressive looking mathematical equation that's going to, if he could just solve it, will give him the answer to this freezing time business that he wants to accomplish. Eventually, there's some weird looking demons that sneak into his lab and write the correct magical equation, uh, not magical, mathematical, but honestly, what's the difference? (laughs) Uh, Equation on the board for him. And so he figures it out and he makes his little time freezing machine work. And as he's celebrating, he's wandering around his school campus and he's like a grad student or something, PhD student, who knows? And um, I guess it is PhD. Um, and he overhears his girlfriend talking to her friend, talking about how she wants to break up with him. 
even though they're about to have their one year anniversary. And so she says that like, well, she's just going to go along with it because it'd be too mean to break up with him at their anniversary dinner when he spent all this time planning it. So she's just going to go through with it and then break up with him later. So he's obviously understandably hurt by this, but then he mm, makes a lot of questionable choices and basically decides that with his now barely functioning, never tested uh, time freezing machine, he's going to set it up in his apartment. And when she comes over there and sleeps with him, he's going to freeze them in mid coitus. So great. Anyway, that's what happens. Luckily, of course, well, I guess they don't stop that part from happening, but the Angel and Lauren step in at the last minute to stop the time freezing from spreading to the whole world, therefore thereby ending the world. So they save it. And at the end of it, they just sit there and have a beer with the guy like he's a normal guy and not a terrible, terrible person who was committing, mm, uh, I think, a number of um, violations on his girlfriend. Meanwhile... Back with Angel Investigations, the remaining crew, they seem to be having a delightful Sherlock Holmes-style mystery where they reveal that a sweet old lady aunt in this wealthy family has been um, wizard with wizardry controlling a demon to kill members of her family to either keep money or gain some sort of inheritance. It was way more interesting. Would have rather just had an episode about that and gotten the full backstory. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was basically like they're playing Clue, and yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was amazing. And <laughs> it was so fun to watch, and we got this delightful scene with Wesley's girlfriend and all of this. Yeah. And then we got her to go back to Angel and Lauren, and I was like, nope. This, and, and also, you know what? That story was just boring. The story was boring. And gross. At, when yeah, it wasn't boring, at best it was, just it was boring. They didn't at all reprimand that guy at the end of it. He's no okay, different. Can we talk about that? Because he's no different from all I, the other villains that we saw in season one, and also all the jerk guys that we see in Buffy. Okay, one, this reminded me too much of the one where the doctor yes, exactly, like, could exactly. attach all the body parts and spy on that woman. Yep. Just equally as disgusting. And also, you're right, they sat there and they had a beer with him and all he did was kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, yeah. I didn't know I was going to destroy the world. And they were like, no problem, dude, you, you, you didn't know. know. But at no point does anybody ever rec- reprimand him for the idea that he was going to freeze him and his girlfriend in a moment in time that he already knew that she didn't really want. And also, I want to point out, it was an entirely selfish choice of when he was going to freeze that moment in time because as we see, it's all about his pleasure, Uh, not hers. His climax. So, thanks a lot, jerk. Everything about him is is terrible. They just put him in a mousy... Yeah, they just picked a mousy actor and thought that was going to just make it all fine and he didn't mean to end the world. Also, even that part is total BS because earlier in the episode, his much less smart friend who works in the lab on carpet mold problems or whatever is the explains to Angel and Lauren why this device, how it could easily destroy the world. <laughs> so like if his dumber friend who didn't even invent it knew, invent it, knew this, obviously this guy would know that too. Like, maybe he wasn't thinking about it, but that is no excuse. Also, don't just take your untested, recently completed, you know, scientific experiments home. That's obviously unethical. Everything he's doing is unethical. And they didn't even call him out for any of it at the end. Like, yeah, he's sort of killing himself in the moment, too. But by keeping them frozen in time and perpetuity, Mm -hmm. he's ending her life. He's ending his life. This is not at all different from men who get dumped and decide that the woman, therefore, is not allowed to live. Exactly. Exactly. Everything about it was This is like a murder-suicide by time paradox. Like, it's just... Yeah, and I guess just... Less bloody, but no different in the outcome. Coupled with all of our recent observations on Angel as well, it's, like, kind of no surprise that he is sympathetic to a guy who wants to make this choice for his girlfriend, despite... Yeah, like, we didn't get her side of the story trying to play it off like Angel understands love and therefore they're bonding over this. And I'm like, I want to throw this guy in the trash. 
and Angel, too, right now, frankly. He is really not on good ground with me. It's a good thing I'm watching Bones again in the background because it's the only thing saving me right now. <laughs> I'm seeing David Boreanaz play out someone who's not nearly so problematic. Well, maybe still in other ways, but... Ugh. Yeah, I really hated that. I hated that main storyline. I kept thinking that there was going to be some sort of saving grace. And the other thing that will be very interesting is when we see that for sure the writers of Angel and Buffy are no longer the same people because two episodes from now on Buffy, we're going to get a very similar plot point on Buffy. And that guy will certainly be treated as a villain correctly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this is an odd precursor to Warren. You're and right, yet, and it's an Warren odd choice. Is a, that Warren is literally the same person as this douchebag guy, except because this guy has a more quiet demeanor, we're willing to accept that he really meant well and it's totally fine. I mean, again, honestly, considering current events that are going on right now, like this one really rubbed me the wrong way in particular. Like, you know, what, like it was always what, a bad why time why to watch this. Why do they have to do it in this way? Why? What's wrong with telling a story? If, if the point is that this guy is not supposed to be a villain, as they seem to be treating mm-hmm. him, why not tell a story where he's trying to invent the time paradox and it gets out of control because these demons sneak in yeah. and they make it worse and like blah, blah, blah. Why does it have to be this whole thing about the situation causing it is him being disgusting with his girlfriend? Yeah. Because... This is the problem. He doesn't get treated as a demon in this episode because there are actual demons right, who right. are causing the math change and like implied to have been the true villains all along of like they're using him as a tool to further their idea but, of like ending the world. But like yeah. Because of that, he never gets viewed as the person who actually caused all of this to begin with. If he didn't want to stop time to save his girlfriend or his relationship with her, Rather, not his relationship. Then none of this would have happened. Yeah. Like he would have had some, you know, stupid math on his whiteboard, but nothing would have happened. Okay, a number of things, based on everything you said, and also, uh, there are huge plot holes in this premise as well. But, uh, ugh, where to start? I'm also I really object to the idea, and I feel like this is like sort of now become knee jerk in the sort of Buffy Angel universe. Sometimes that's like, okay, I get it. Maybe for some people having sex is the most important thing in the world and the ultimate thing that they would freeze themselves doing. But yeah. if he's really, con- if he, they, again, they're painting him as this more sensitive guy who's really lonely, would he not maybe freeze a moment when they're just hugging or cuddling or uh, something else? Like, is there... N- but Ginny, why would he? Because they have zero chemistry and neither of them seem to enjoy actually spending time it's with It's true, other. but like, I guess that's... I just like, again, though, it's just like, is that really what everybody would do with this technology? I mean, again, I just... It really just rubbed me the wrong way that that is always the knee-jerk. Oh, it's always sex. It's always sex. Like, is it? Is it always? I don't know. That's not the moment I would freeze if I were... Uh, you know, ugh, an evil villain who was going to do this on my partner. Anyway, plot hole wise, though, here's the thing. Also, those demons, why did they even need him? Because we, they're, they have a physical presence in this world. They're the ones that know the math. And then at the end of the episode, we in fact see them manning some sort of device and computer to keep it going. So it's not even as though like, oh, they just need, they don't need his technical savvy at all. They solved this problem. They just needed his equipment. And they were already Which broken they already into his had. lab. <laughs> They're like, in the lab. They already had the equipment. Why did he just need do to be it? there? <laughs> why weren't they the villain? Yes. Why didn't they just let it out of control in his lab? Or why didn't he just have a pretty normal superhero experiment where he, like, you know, was a scientist who didn't stop to ask if he should? You know, like, that could have been the thing. It didn't have to have this gross connotation with his girlfriend. 
Why? None of that was necessary that unless was necessary. someone is trying to, I feel like, and I don't know if they're trying to make a point about lonely men who are misguided I guess, or like but whatever, but like that's not You really know who's not sympathetic across. to lonely men in 2018? Me. <laughs> yeah. Don't care. <laughs> Too bad, buddy. You're pretty cute and you're really smart. You can figure this out. It's not that hard. Maybe if you treated a girl like a person with her own agency, yeah, exactly. she might not want to exactly. leave you. Also, there's like another cute girl in your lab already. Like it's not like none of this is like okay. I would like to be done now. With I this. would too, but let I, me talk about two more or one more thing. Just, no, no, I mean not to cut you off. I'm just like I. I know. I guess the only thing yeah. that didn't infuriate me about this episode was Lauren. Well, and the whole little Sherlock yeah. Holmes side mystery that I I really just wish yeah. we had spent the, all the time on that, and this had been the B storyline. But I did enjoy Lauren. I enjoyed him singing in the lobby. I enjoyed yes. his little singing to take out the demons because he sang at such a high pitch that it like disoriented them, and then he gave him a good sock, too. That was great. I liked him calling out Angel on all of his nonsense, even though Angel didn't... I'm not convinced Angel learned anything about it, but that's not really Lauren's fault. Um, I really liked him. He's great. I can't wait for him to be in more episodes and ones that aren't tinged with Angel being terrible and also the villain slash good guy being terrible. Yeah, I will agree with that. I love getting Lauren out of the karaoke bar. Mm -hmm. I love this weird sort of... Well, it doesn't really work the way it's probably supposed to, but it's supposed to be like a little buddy dynamic Mm -hmm. between them, but really Angel's not in the place to be doing that. But (laughs) yes, fully enjoyed everything about it. I love his singing in the lobby, like Mm -hmm. everything. He's great. I love him walking around the Put real world. Put him with the people solving the mysteries in the mansions. Leave Angel <laughs> out of it, and I will happily line up every week and pay money to watch How that fun show. would that episode with that family have been? It literally could have just been like a procedural SVU, you know, Law & Order type, like, there was a crime, here's a and thought. here's how we're going to solve it. Why like, if they just nice. did an entire episode without Angel? Yeah. They must do that at some point, no? I don't think they do. I, I, he's the problem. This could have been an episode of Veronica Mars where they staked out some people and then used deduction to solve a mystery. Could have been great. I mean, it was great. We just didn't get to see it. (laughs) Oh, Wesley's whole, like, this is what happened was great. It was. Oh, Wesley. And they had a little party at the end and they were having so much fun dancing together and they had to, you know, use their money to, like, pay for this little party in their kind of gross office. It was adorable. Gun, also, also I love Gun that was really sweet in this they got this client through Wesley's girlfriend, yeah. who is, like, very supportive of this she whole is, thing. Yeah, like, she's grown on me you a little. You know, she doesn't have to rely on Wesley for anything, mm-hmm. so I think that's part of it. But also, like, I love that she's so rah-rah, you've got your own little business, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you a client, and go team. Like, I it's agree. fantastic. Agreed. And that she's not, like, too precious for, like, the gross office mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. anything. She's bringing them fancy cheese and champagne. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end on that note. (laughs) Yeah. Fancy cheese and champagne. Yep. So what do do we have coming up? It's Crush for Buffy. (laughs) You caught me at a bad moment. I didn't look this up. I'm not actually sure. Yeah. It's Crush Mm -hmm. and the next episode of Angel. And that's all the... Yeah. uh, That's all the words I want to give that. Because I... (laughs) It's as bad as this. I don't care. (laughs) You know, I had a conversation with Claire the other day, and um, she, first of all, I think she wants to come back this season okay. um, before the, the end and talk specifically about a good episode okay. of Angel, Okay. but also talk about how she realized, much like us, that actually Angel is maybe not a good show. Yeah. Um, we'll see. <laughs> which I'm not quite ready to admit. Me neither. But it might be that 
watching it week to week like this, this is how what I convince myself of mm-hmm. because I keep waiting for it to get better and it keeps disappointing. I mean, there've been and, fits and starts, but it's yeah, never. And hit I know a... that there's a run of episodes coming mm-hmm. that I do thoroughly enjoy, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Angel is a show that didn't age well, and yeah. maybe in 2018, it's yeah. actually not a good show, and, yeah. and maybe we're discovering that, but yeah. um, we can talk more about that at the end of this season, but um, so well, that's we'll what's find coming out. up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we will find out. So, Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you have any pop culture? I don't. Um, or at least, you know what I should have done last week is not set, talked about two things, and then I would have had <laughs> one for this week. But you willingly did that, and you knew that it's was true. setting yourself it's up true. for failure. Um, but I have yeah. been, so I'm reading The Shining. I guess this is just a pop culture update. I'm about halfway through the book. It is great. I love it. But it, Are you keeping all the lights on? I can't read it at night. I can read it. <laughs> the latest I can read it is on my commute home. Uh, A couple nights ago, uh, I don't know. You know, I've been up a lot late this week for just getting stuff done and waiting for Alex to finish things and stuff like that. And so I was like, last night I was like, maybe I can just like, while he's working on something and I wanted to stay up, I was like, maybe I can just read, like finish this chapter. I read like five words and I was like, you can't do this. You have to put this down. (laughs) And like nothing scary was even happening. It's just like, it really, I get into a headspace doing it. There was also some like, now some scary things are starting to happen and one of them involved wasps and I, and, and specifically a wasp nest, which I do not like. They really gross me out. I, they, you know, they like make me queasy. I just, I don't like wasp nests. I never have. They always make me a little bit nauseous. And so like reading this, like it was so scary. And then there was, it was so gross. Uh, But I'm saying this all with a big grin on my face. I'm like genuinely really enjoying it. I think it's a good book. And I I am enjoying the story that's being told. I'm really enjoying hating Jack Torrance. He's the dad guy. Like it's it's some it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. But I'm scared and I can't read it at night. <laughs> I can't read it ever. So. <laughs> I guess I've just never read Stephen King, so you know, who knows? I who knows? I could have maybe hated it, but I actually think it's I'm not sure if I'm taking all the same lessons out of it as Stephen King kind of intended, but I'm also not done with the book yet, so I don't really know. Suffice it to say, I think it's a very enjoyable, interesting story, in addition to being scary. Um, Do you have any recommendations? Well, no, but I have, I guess, pop culture news, because you mentioned this, so I just thought about it, but we found out today that we're getting more Veronica Mars, and... I haven't even looked like, up. I think looked I'm it up cautiously optimistic because I do think that the choice to have it come back as a movie was either unavoidable because that's the only thing they're going to get funded. Mm-hmm. You know, this was before like everything people could were come getting back reboots on. for like you know full television shows. So I'm I'm excited for that reason, but I'm also cautiously optimistic because the movie had problems. But I liked the movie. I think a lot more than you did. But I also. I think I didn't like it because to be they, in a headspace that I, you know. Well, I think I didn't like it because it just was. It felt like a, like another pilot. Or mm-hmm. it like, was. It was so open ended without them knowing for sure that they would ever come back and visit it, and it was just a little bit frustrating in that mm-hmm. way. And also, we talked a lot in this episode here about Buffy maturing as she's growing up and I felt like Veronica hadn't really done that so but um, okay that's a conversation for another day I can't (laughs) go down that rabbit hole I don't think Veronica is mature or at least she's has some pretty sizable uh demons of her own (laughs) yes so okay anyway exciting to I will definitely watch it I'm 
going to catch up. We're actually literally um, watching season three right now because Alex had never seen Veronica Mars. So well, we wa- so that's the other thing is the last season yeah, of Veronica Mars good. was not its best. So, it's uh, you know, it's picking up but, a little bit, though. The beginning was very bad. And now I think it's getting a little bit better, but it's still nowhere near the early ones. I think the last episode is amazing. But yeah, the season before that is a little bit uneven. Yeah. But regardless, I'm excited to have the chance to have more episodes to judge. And I feel like I will be talking a lot this fall about rebooted television shows because there's a lot of them coming out. And I will probably willingly or unwillingly <laughs> watch a lot of them. I so. probably will avoid most of them. But also, The Good Place is, got a, is coming back. Yes? Is that this week? Yes. Next week. Next week. Uh, I don't think it's this week. It's probably... I think it's the 25th well, or something. I don't actually know that. That would be yeah. next week. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Very excited for that. Me too. Um, yeah. But like Sabrina's coming. Oh, and then I can't wait for that too. I'm probably going to watch the Charmed reboot only <laughs> because I watched the old show and also it's the same people who did Jane the Virgin and uh, they've built drat. up a lot of goodwill with me. <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to at least give it a chance. Yeah. So that's okay. that. So I can't really recommend it other than I would wholeheartedly recommend the first two seasons of Veronica Mars. That's like true. if you haven't watched those, what's wrong with you? True. So get on that. Yeah, cool. that's all I got. Mm, I think this week, um, <laughs> Team Dawn. Team Dawn. Me too. I feel like it's weird to say Team Dawn because I also didn't enjoy watching it. <laughs> <Yeah. animals>, but <laughs> I feel Either way, she too. really needs it. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you next week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Commentary.com.